is a big day for us as a church. Big day for all of us. Big day for me. And uh, because at uh, the end of, of the morning we're going to be laying hands on the, uh, the new elders, directors of, of this church, and then uh, uh, the whole new team, and then um, for the families of those folks as well, okay? So, and it's difficult to quite um, explain the, the depths of, of the spiritual meaning of that. So it, this, is a, this is a big day, okay? So, and, and this isn't just something we plucked out of the air. The Bible tells us very clearly that the Holy Spirit makes people elders. You know, there, there is a formation. There's a calling and then there's a formation. And, um, and you know, I'll tell you a little bit about my story of that over the space of while I'm preaching, but I'm also going to look at uh, a fantastic passage of Scripture. Um, I, get to, I get to preach on one of my favorite passages in Ephesians. I've got a lot of them, but <laughs> Ephesians is an amazing book, isn't it? And I, I, was, I was away in, in France last weekend, but I had an extraordinary time here. Um, Last Sunday mornings, was that right? So, uh, and I always love to hear that you have an extraordinary time when I'm not here, because um, that means you don't need me all the time. But I like to be here. No, seriously, that's it's important. Actually, that, that not the life of this church is not dependent upon any one person, but but a group of people. But um, I was uh, I was with a, a church in France last weekend that um, we've worked for for many years and actually have supported us very faithfully throughout. Uh, Long length of time, actually, we give just about every month to this building project. Um, and uh, it's just a small, gr- small group of people. And it was the first time I've been back there for five years. Um, and uh, so I stepped out of the box a bit last, last Sunday. I thought I'd go for it. Um, they're friends of mine, so they, you know, they, they let me um, experiment a little bit. And I thought I'd really step out of the box in terms of actually where we're going with uh, the prophetic revelation that we have. Um, picking up from um, some encouragement from a guy called Sean Boltz. Anybody heard of Sean Boltz? Okay, if you have, good. If you haven't, you will. Um, I'm hoping to get him here sometime. So that would be fun, wouldn't it? So, um, so uh, he, he, <coughs> he has an extraordinary prophetic gift, but he's actually, and he's really breaking out in, in new dimensions of that. But actually, Kim and I have uh, seen him the last couple of years in Bethel, um, he's based in Los Angeles, but he's good friends with Bethel Church. And um, he was just doing stuff. So I thought, I'll step out. So I, I, went, I went for I go something new. I went for names, which is, I've done that before, dates, uh, numbers, and, and, and obviously words of knowledge for healing. And um, this is in a group of about 25 people. So I thought, hmm, I'll be lucky to get some of these. But actually, um, so the called out a name, that was a lady who was doing their children's work, so they were amazed and we prophesied over her, called out a word of knowledge for healing, there was a lady who had an ear problem who was instantly healed uh, at that moment, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, the, the surprise and shock on her face was, was, was a wonder to behold, you know, when I, you know it, it, it left you in no doubt that something had happened, because she was so shocked and then so happy, and then, then crying with joy that God had set her free from the pain in her ear that she'd been troubled with for quite a length of time. And then a date, and I called this date out and said, is that significant to anybody? And, and without going into great details, but it was, it was hugely significant to um, a young lady in that congregation. And then we prayed and prophesied over her and God met with her. And, 
And then the number was another one that was significant to one of the leaders in that church. So, so that was kind of fun. But that's, that's what we're starting to do, to step out into to new things. So if, if, I, if I suddenly get distracted and call out names and dates and things like that right now, then I might well do. Okay, so... I did it yesterday, actually. I was in Ashford. I was in Ashford, actually, doing a breakfast for a church. And, uh, um, and I called out um, the name... Uh, Geraldine, I said, does that make any, you know, mean anything to anybody? And they said, no, complete blank. And you, you have to learn with the blanks so you just keep going. And, and um, it's, always, it's always fun when people come and find you afterwards and say, yeah, that was irrelevant to me. And you think, why didn't you say so at the time? But uh, you have to learn not to worry about that because actually sometimes people don't want to, in one sense, expose themselves in, in public for their things. So they came to me and I prayed for this chap. And it, it, was, it was a really emotional thing for him. God just reconnecting him uh, with, uh, with a family member, basically. So that was good. So, uh, um, no, I'm going to go. Can we put the, the passage of Scripture up? Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 15 to 23. So 15 to the end. This one of the things that I do um, to help me in my praying, in my prayer life, is, is I use passages of Scripture to help me pray as, as patterns of prayer. Not, not, as, not in a, a sort of just a routine way, but actually there are certain passages of Scripture that I use. Um, obviously there's the pattern of the Lord's Prayer, but there's, a, there's another fantastic pattern in, in uh, Colossians chapter 1. This is another one that actually gives you a, a, good, a good pattern of praying for people. Um, and I want to suggest to you that it's actually a really good pattern of praying for the leaders in this church as we're going forward, which is pretty relevant today, okay? Um, so I'm going to read it out, and then we're going to comment on it, and then we're going to see where we go. So uh, it says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. That's not bad, is it? I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Just, to, just to dwell on that for a moment. His, how much power has he got for if, you, if you believe? incomparable. It's just beyond anything you could compare it with. He doesn't compare to anybody else. It's, a, it's no good sort of thinking God's like this. He, he, he kind of is, but he's not. He's, he's incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Wow. So how, what power have you got working in you? Same power. That mighty power that was involved in raising Jesus from the dead and, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Goodness me. Now, to try and preach on this in not a long time is, is impossible. All I can do is point you in the direction of the passage, go and read it, enjoy it, pray it, meditate on it. It, it, it is simply magnificent and um, again it just stirs me with a, you know, my appreciation and love for the Bible so verse 15, so if we go back to the beginning, for this reason ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints 
That's a good reason, isn't it? There's two things there. Faith in God and love for people. Faith in God and love for people. They are fa- those are fantastic reasons for living. I mean, in fact, I think they sum up the reason for living. Relationship with God, relationship with people, and an ability to love and trust God enables us to love and trust people in a way that is impossible without him. Okay? I can love people in, all, in, in many different Ways, but actually the dimension of, of, of God's incomparably great power adds something to it. So, you know, that lady with, with the earache last week, I could have gone up to her and said, I love you and I'm sympathy and I'm really sorry you've got an earache and I, let, me, let me give you a hug. And, this, and, and she would have felt my love, my sympathy and embrace. And, and sense, yeah, she would have felt cared for. But the fact that I could actually command healing and her, heel, her ear was healed, and actually she's free of pain, is something that goes beyond anything that I can offer humanly. Yeah? And that, that's what we have as Christians. We have something that goes just beyond anything that's a human capacity. We have an incomparably great power that actually is within us, not just outside us. And so those are great reasons. It says, I've not stopped giving thanks for you. So... Remembering you in my prayers. I don't, when you pray for people, how do you start? With thanksgiving is, is, is the way. And um, just aware of, you know, this is something adults you can do with your kids very easily. You just actually say, teach them to be thankful. We, um, we had a saying in our house, uh, and we still do, but we, particularly when the kids were growing up, we said, right, we have the gratitude attitude. Uh, so, so every evening when we had a meal together, uh, one of the two ch- children would actually uh, say thank you for the food, but they also had to say thank you for something else. It was, it was, it was a training. <laughs> it's gonna, I'm going to have to keep my voice going up here, aren't I? So, and, and there's something about thanksgiving that releases spiritual goodness. It just does. Okay, there, there's, there's something about it that, that, that's, that's, that's fundamentally important. And um, so it actually tells us that God's will, of, will for our life is to be thankful in all circumstances. People get confused about God's will for their lives sometimes, don't they? They say, what's God's will for my life? Well, it's very straightforward. It tells you in Thessalonians he wants you to be joyful all the time, thankful in all circumstances, and pray continually. The rest's up to you. You make some choices, but actually, while you're making those choices, be joyful, be thankful, and be prayerful. And then you'll lead, you will lead an amazing life. So, um, so let's just comment on that. So, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wow. And here's a little secret as well. Keep asking. This isn't I have asked, this is I keep asking. It's, it's a present continuous tense, which means I keep, it's, just my, it's my lifetime's habit. I keep asking, and I keep asking so that I get more. I keep asking that God, as you said, the glorious Father. I love that. It's not just the Father, he's the glorious Father. Just the little words in here that make me... Ah, leap. So he's, he's, he's a glorious father. And Paul keeps asking the glorious father 
to give the Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation. And those two are, are really important that they go together. When God reveals something to you of who he is or what he wants to do, he will also give you wisdom alongside it to know what to do with that revelation. Okay? Revelation without wisdom to actually put into practice can be really difficult and frustrating or actually ineffective. So, so God wants to give you, and there's a fantastic promise in, uh, in James which says, if you lack wisdom, what should you do? Ask for it, and he will give it to you. And it says, don't just say he will give it to you. He says he will give it to you generously and without finding fault. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful passage of scripture to understand how God responds to our prayers. That he responds to us generously and without finding fault means on the basis of grace. We pray on the basis of grace, not our performance. God answers us on the basis of who he is, not on the basis of who we are. Because he is gracious and generous and beyond measure. And the only thing that gets in our way of receiving that is actually our unbelief and doubt. We haven't got time to go into that today. It's where we don't connect with him through faith. And the point of that is actually that I may know him better. Do you know there's always more of God to know? That is good news. God is infinite and eternal, so there's no end to the, to, to the adventure. So if you're bored with your Christianity, pray this. You have absolutely no reason to be bored with Christianity. Do you know that? You might get bored with religion. It means you're following the wrong stuff. Really, I'm, I'm serious about it. If you, somehow you're stuck bored, you, you, you're following the wrong stuff. You've somehow got into routine... See, I don't think following Jesus around for those three years was ever boring. Unpredictable? Yes. Scary? Yes. Challenging? Yes. <laughs> Amazing? Yes. But never boring. You ever have those moments when you think, really? <laughs> when God challenges you to do something, you go, ooh. <laughs> now, I remember when I was 20, I knew God called me. And in that sense, I knew he called me to be an elder in the church. So I knew the calling of God. But there was a formation of of God within me that enabled me to fulfill that calling. And that happened 10 years later, actually, when I was 30. And uh, so at the age of 30... I was thrust into leadership of, of a very small church, which was at that stage called New Ash Green Community Church. And there's one or two here who were there at that moment <laughs> in time. And uh, a small group of 25 of us set off on an adventure, trusting God. Pete Aiton, you were there. I remember you. Joe was around. came along a little bit later, didn't you? So. She was there before you. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dave and Kate. Kim was there as well. And David. And uh, we dared to believe some stuff when they were just 25 of us. It wasn't made. We dared to believe some stuff, actually. Oh, yeah. Paul and Philip, you, you came along not long after that, didn't you? So, 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 Jilly, where's Jilly? Hey, Jilly, you were there. Jilly was there before me. Yeah. So how many people have got faithful here in this place? Who've pray- they've, they've prayed this many times. <laughs> Jilly, remember, Jilly remembers me coming in the door. Some, I, sorry, I was, I was, I was 
this breakfast yesterday, and uh, this lady at the end said she had, a, she had a dream during the week, and I was in it. And it was about the happiness of God. And I actually spoke about joy. I thought, I always wanted to be in people's dreams. I, I like to be the dream man. <laughs> so, makes me feel good. <laughs> Kim, Kim's, Kim's laughing. I'm not quite sure which way she's laughing at the moment. But... So, she... So, uh... <clears throat> God gave us dreams, and we dared to believe for something, and we dared, we, we dared to believe, we, we really thought, wow, that's a long stretch. So 25 of us, and, and we, we dared to believe that we could affect the village in which we lived, and actually somehow we could grow to about, you know, a church that was about 200 people, um, and I, think, I don't think our, our ambition extended much beyond meeting in school halls at that stage, because that was kind of cool, that's what we did. And, um, and I just want to tell you, God has gone way, way beyond our imagination. So that's in 1988. Now, 19, was it 1991 or 92, Dave, that you moved to Gray's End? 91. To plant a church with a dream, yeah? And I remember coming to Dave, and actually, in, in the early days, and we used, you know, we used to work together closely before we ever put the two churches together to become this one. And with, with a dream, didn't you? You had a dream uh, of what God was going to do and prophetic dreams, and actually, God's gone way beyond it, hasn't he? As he, as he does, because our dreams are, uh, in one sense, limited. And he loves to go beyond our dreams because he wants us to know him even more and more and more, not just in a limited way. And I just want to say that, you know, like us, Dave did a faithful journey of starting off with a small group of people with a dream. And here we are today continuing that journey. Now, I honestly believe that we're at a moment where we come to the end of an era of this church and we enter into another one. And when I heard last week, because Dave said, I think you said last week, you've never been in an environment quite like it when you were preaching last week. So, um, so I, you know, and I thought, wow, some, there is a, and there's a spiritual reality that's going on. Um, I had a text today from somebody, friends of ours who live... Um, in Wrexham, which is quite a long way away, isn't it, from here? And, um, oops, it comes, this is what they said. They said, uh, Hi Pete, the new leadership team has a significance for NKCC. The region and the nation thank you for all travelling this journey. And you thought you were riding horses, but I see you were riding elephants that have power and change landscapes. We are praying for you all and for this season of new prototypes. Isn't that amazing? That's, come, that's a text I got this morning from friends of ours in, in Wrexham who pray for us regularly and send me prophetic words and bless us as we're getting on with, with life. So, how about this? Verse 18, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Goodness me, there's enough in that to preach for a term. I pray that the eyes of your, it's interesting, your eyes of your what are enlightened? Your heart. This is, there's, there's, a, there's an emotional engagement with this that actually God wants to bring us light, not just into a, an intellectual understanding, but into, into the depths of our beings. But, and in, there's an emotional enlightenment that goes on. Um, it's like when you get in worship. You, I love that last song. That was an amazing last song. You think, and somehow, did, during that last song, the, the eyes of my heart were enlightened. As you enter into things, you suddenly grasp things in, in a new way. And, and the, 
the beauty of God, you know, and I love loving on you. Thought, yeah, I do. I love loving on you, my God. I thought, yeah, that'll keep me going for a week, you see. As I meditate upon the eyes of my heart, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. This is really important. How much hope have you got in you? Wow. Well, if you knew the resources that are available to you, you'd have a lot of hope. Because what we have is the hope of the riches of his glorious inheritance. That means, I think, that I have all the potential of heaven behind me. All the potential of heaven behind me. And I think it's really, really significant the testimonies we're getting with regard to cancer. I have hoped and dreamed and prayed for that for more than 30 years now. And I've seen some amazing miracles in the past, but never on a regular basis like we're seeing them now. Now, On on the 3rd of January, so in one morning, we had a lady with cancer in her breastbone and and her lungs significantly improved. We got this... It's, it's difficult to explain if you don't have a medical understanding the enormity of the, the, the testimony we're giving you about this lady who, who had this uh, cancer in the, the abdominal cavity right across the peritoneum. Um, talking with Helen, you just think, that is awesome. Because when you're, you think, oh my goodness, that just does not happen. I think Mike would say the same thing. That, we're all getting excited about this because we know how amazing this is. Now, it's all amazing, okay? And, and, but you think, my goodness... They go in and they found no trace of cancer. Now that is un, that would not happen. It just it's impossible without God, literally impossible. So that happened. The lady with cancer, the, the, the husband of the lady with the cancer in her sternum lung, he, he, he limped in and he didn't limp out. He, his limp was gone. And then there was a little lad with cerebral palsy who was prayed for, who's been significantly improved. That's four in one morning. Do you want to join the healing centre team? I tell you, it's good fun. If you want to get trained for it, come, because it is is one of the most dynamic environments that we can create. And I explained to people, I was in France, I was explaining to people how simple it is, how how simple Christianity is. Basically, in the healing centre environment, we, we, we try and create an environment where people can touch Jesus. So if they can touch Jesus, they get healed. But it's simple. That, that, that's, all, that, that's as simple as we can make it. Because when the lady with, with the hemorrhage, she touched him, she got healed. People come in here, they touch Jesus. This church that I was with in Ashford yesterday, they were just talking about, actually, when they come up here. And they said, this was their description of, of this environment. They said, when you walk in the building, it's like a honeypot. They said, where, where people gather for the goodness. I thought, well, I, I kind of like that description. This is how other people are, are experiencing us. And you know what? The hope that is now penetrating out into the world because of testimonies that we have. Now, that is similar. You know, I remember when we heard of Bethel and actually, you know, people hearing of cancer getting healed. People travel the world to go there because there's hope invested there. Okay. We have an amazing hope and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Wow.
Do you know when you touch Jesus, you should experience power? So don't be surprised if you end up on the floor. Or something else peculiar happens. (laughs) If you stick your fingers in the socket, something will happen. And we, we, we just need to be aware of that and used to that. And if you, if you went around this building and you looked at the external manifestations of electricity, they are many and manifold. They're varied. So even in this place right now, you've got light, you've got sound, you've got ventilation, you've got all sorts of other things going on. There's Wi-Fi. There, 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 there's many, many manifestations of electricity, which is a source of power, isn't it? It's all a source of power, and it actually is all the same in, in its nature, but the way it works itself out is different through different avenues. And this is really what's important in the church. Actually, you're not the same as anybody else. You're a different avenue of God's power. So it will look different to you than it will in somebody else. There could be similarities, but each one of us is unique. So how his incomparably great power is manifest in you will be different to how it's manifest in literally anybody else. Which gives you a unique part to play. So, so we all need each other. Because if you don't play your unique part, we've got a part missing. Now, people will still see stuff, but they won't see the fullness what Jesus wants to produce. And this is the beauty of the church, because it goes on to talk about, about the church in the next uh, part of this passage. It goes on, it talks about his incomparably great power for, for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. So Jesus is above everything. I think we're really confident about that. He's above everything. Above all rule, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. This has eternal reality. He's over everything for all time. In actual fact, not just for all time, for all eternity, because eternity isn't time, but I don't really understand eternity yet, because my brain lives in time. But it's quite an important concept. You understand eternity isn't just a long time. It isn't time. That, that's, that's the bit that's confusing. So you, know, you think, well, it's going to be a really long time in heaven. No, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't exist there. Time, it doesn't exist. I, I, well, I don't understand that. It just, but if you have an idea that eternity is a long time, you can think, oh, I could get a bit bored then. <laughs> what are we going to do? No, 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 no. It's, it's going to be completely different, and I don't understand it yet. I'll understand it when I get there, I guess. And then I'll explore it. <clears throat> okay, so... And God placed all things under his feet, that's the feet of Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything. So what is Jesus head over? For who? For the church. His body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Is that not an amazing statement about the church? So this is what the church is, okay? It's his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So... 
The church is meant to be an expression of the fullness of who Jesus is. In every way. Filling every dimension of society. Not just locked inside these four walls. I find that really exciting. I think, I think the era that we've passed through, primarily, has been an era of, of the restoration of church and its structures and, 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 and how it works and working those sort of things through. I think we're now entering into an era of, of a kingdom reality that's bigger than just church, where Jesus wants to fill everything in every way, which is why the free school is an important deal, Okay. That's why the healing centre becoming an option for the, for the National Health Service is a big deal. That's why us doctors think, man, I could take that one. <laughs> and that, you, you tell other doctors about that, they'll go, what? And because we've got an email counting this from the family, you know, really. Now, it's not that I'm just after evidence, but actually what you can start to introduce is hope into a whole environment. We've got a team um, that have just started going into the hospital at Durham Valley to pray every week just to release the goodness of God in that environment. It is good, isn't it? Yeah. And, and it's been extraordinary. I think they've been in two or three times. <laughs> and they just, they've literally gone in just to, without any gender, they're not there to pray and lay hands on people. They're there to pray in the environment. And they could go in, there's a, there's a chapel there. They go and pray there. And they call it the, they're calling it the boardroom now, which is where God was. It, on each occasion, God has given them in divine encounters where they've prayed with lots of people actually who've been Christians. And we've got lots of testimonies around that. Because, and just God wants to, to, us to leak into every area of society. <clears throat> the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Goodness me. And we are his body. The church is the recipient of God's goodness, power, and a full inheritance. And as we enter into this, what I call a new era, it's really important we don't lose sight of the fact that the church is God's ultimate creation. I thought, in, in Revelation, it talks about the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. In Revelation 21, and I haven't got time to read it all through to you. I was just studying it yesterday. I thought, it's a magnificent, another magnificent passage of scripture where it talks about the new Jerusalem. And it, do you know what it, what is this new Jerusalem? It is the bride of Christ. The ultimate thing that happens as we enter into the, the fullness of an eternal era it is ushered in by the bride of Christ being joined to the bridegroom. The church is this. The bride of Christ, the one who he has chosen. And it says really clearly that the bride makes herself ready. Not just that Jesus will get her ready. Now ladies, I don't know how this quite works, but, but I don't think... See, I, do, I didn't get Kim ready for her wedding day. Uh, she got herself ready. Any, other, any ladies around here who let, you, let your man in on the day to sort of get the dress ready or anything like that? Or, no, I was well away from that. I was doing the chores, you know, and, and turned up and, and oh, wow, there's my bride. 
Now, I know that's not a complete analogy, but actually there's a sense of church, you have a responsibility to get yourself ready. It's not, it's not just down to Jesus. He's given you an inheritance, he's given you authority, he's given you power to get on with the job. And do we think that the church is yet complete? Oh, how many unbelievers are out there? Does God love every one of them? Does he want them to be part of his bride? Yeah, he does. So we've got a lot of work to do. And this is one of the dangers. You can come along and say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do in church. That's a really bad question. <laughs> there are endless opportunities of what you will do in the world. Now, we get on, we serve church, we serve each other. That's really important. There's, there's, there's stuff to do. And we keep the church in good, good shape. But that's not the end. And there are 100,000 people in and around this area of Gravesham. How many don't yet know Jesus? Well, probably, if we're really, it's probably about 95,000 of them. Well, I don't think the job's done yet. But what I do think is this, as we express the fullness of Jesus, that people will come. If people know that actually they can find a, 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 you know, an answer to cancer. They can find hope. They can find joy. I mean, just walk in this place and God's here I get excited about that so the church is God's ultimate creation Jesus loves his church doesn't he not too many nods on that Jesus loves his church it's not a tricky question okay? Jesus loves his church he really does that means I should as well. And it's a tragedy when Christians don't love the church. Because they're actually part of it, and meant to be, and it's, it's the object of Jesus' affection. So if you've fallen out of love with the church, then you need to get back in line with Jesus. Because he loves his church. He really does. Love the church, love God, love the saints. One of the, this is the greatest responsibility of leaders within the church, is to love God and love the church. So, so as you pray for this new team of elders, the number one that we want to continue is to, is to love God. Without that, we've got nothing much to offer you. But as we love God and we pull on his resources, we've got everything to offer. The resources of heaven. And then number two is actually love the church. Love, love the people. Be stirred. And uh, that's not just for leaders. That's a foundation which we all should build upon. That ability to love one another... And, you know, if the devil can divide the church, he's very happy. And I think it breaks Jesus' heart. Literally. Now, he put it back together. And I'm, I'm so excited by the unity that he's bringing right across the church. Not just in one church, but across the churches. And, and the opportunities we have to, to interact with. Um, it's so many different churches now. It's phenomenal. So, 
um, last, was it last Wednesday? No, Wednesday before last. I think it was Wednesday before last. We had the leaders gathering here. So about three years ago, I, I started a gathering for any sort of church leaders who wanted to gather around um, you know, from about the, you know, the southeast of England who were interested in pursuing similar things. We started with about 15 of us in the upper room of our offices in New Ash Green, and we, we couldn't get beyond about 30 in that place. So, so from about 30, so that was just over a year ago, you know, our first global legacy leaders meeting in this building was January 2014. So a year on, now that we, had the, we now gathered 150 leaders from around the UK, around this part of the UK, 150. And they come from all walks. You know, our, our, we have over 250 students in our School of Supernatural Life. And I think pretty much every denomination, including Catholic, represented within that. See, God is putting his church back together because he, he has determined he will do it and he loves it and he's, he, it's going to happen. And we have the privilege of doing that. And, and what you need to do then is we need, to, and the Bible tells us to guard the unity of the church. It says of elders, and just to, I hope there's no confusion, we're talking about elders and we're going to actually, for the sake of interaction with the world and, that's, and, and understanding how we, we operate in, in interaction with them, we will call ourselves a board of directors, okay? There's no confusion. Um, I know some people ask, so is every director an elder? Yeah, they're, they're the same, they're synonymous, okay? So just in case anybody's getting confused about that, we've not got the three sort of previous elders and then a few directors. This is, we're all going to be elders and directors. So if we use the words synonymously, then uh, that's how it works. But so it says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honour, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Now that doesn't mean to say that, that, that they're in one sense doubly special. That, it means actually protect them doubly. Okay, because you know what? They get in the firing line more quickly and they are the foundation upon which the church rests. So actually there is literally more pressure upon them. That's just a reality. And it, and it, it, not just upon them, but it will enter into their household, which is why I want you to pray for the households. Um, now, I want... This is the thing. That these are people who are willingly volunteering to take this responsibility within this church and willing to carry the weight of that. And it is a weight, okay? And I'm just delighted that you've got people who, who, who feel called to do it. It's not just a... I want to do that, but there's a calling of God on their lives and, and that sense of preparation and formation that has happened over a course of time. And that's our delight to actually put that into place. But I want you to pray for them and I want you to support them and I want you to honour them beyond measure, okay? Um, and in one sense, I've, I've, you know, I've been an elder of this church now for 26 years, coming up 27. Dave, probably an elder for, again, way beyond 20 years. In one sense, and, and Jim likewise, about 20 years. So in one sense, we got used to carrying the weight. Actually, for new folks, there is a, there's a learning curve going on. Um, and uh, so I want you to, to really pray and support them. And it says this, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Um, they keep watch over you as, as men and women who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. And what we're talking about, the Bible talks about obedience that comes from faith, which is actually trust and respect them. Okay? Um, and 
these, these people are worthy of your trust and respect. You know, uh, we wouldn't have chosen them if they weren't. And uh, I don't think they would be in this position of, of confidence of the church if they weren't. But actually, there is a sense of... And here's, a, here's, here's the deal. Sometimes you won't know all the details that they know, so you won't necessarily be able to understand all the decisions that they make because we can't let you in on all the details all the time. Sometimes it's complicated. And sometimes we just don't have time. And sometimes, so, so questions are fine. Sometimes we can't explain all the questions. Trust and respect. We'll do our best to explain everything as we go, but it's not possible to undo it all. It's, it's, so please, an obedience that comes out of trust and respect, not a slavish because they are the board. That's not what we're after. We're not, but, uh, this is where we love one another and you recognize leadership gifting in people to direct the affairs of the church. And what it says here, if, if you will actually, please will you make their job a joy rather than a burden? Okay, okay. This, is your, this is your responsibility, church. Keep them happy. Okay, make it a joy for them to lead you rather than a, rather than a hassle. Now, there's ways, the things that come along, but actually, if, so if you think, oh, I'm going to go out of my way to be a joy to these people. Can you do that? 